1: And the show, for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. The big news of the day with Green Bay, obviously, is the Houston Texans in town for joint practices ahead of their exhibition game later in the week. And we can't talk about the joint practice without talking about the fight that happened in the joint practice. And it has become old hat, almost, in the NFL now with these joint practices, it seemed like every year. Uh, At the very least, at one of these joint practices, there is a fight. It is not always day one, but this was a situation where Jay Sternberger went over the middle of the field, caught a seam route, and he got lit up. And the Packers were not happy about it. Aaron Rodgers was not happy about it. Matt LaFleur was not happy about it and went over and talked to the Texans defensive backs basically to say, look, this is not what we're doing. We want to have a good, hard practice, and we want to amp up the competition level and the intensity level, but we're not trying to hurt each other. And obviously, you know, I don't want to accuse Lonnie Johnson or anyone else of trying to hurt another player, but the point is, player safety needs to be taken more into account in these settings. And okay, it happened, and you go about your day, but then it happened again. Same player, Jay Sternberger, gets lit up. Lucas Patrick takes offense to it, goes down and lets the Texans know that he doesn't appreciate it. Um, it's not quite benches clearing, and it wasn't like there was all kinds of fisticuffs, but it, it was a fight. And what was interesting, and I think this point has to be stressed, what was interesting was after the practice, Matt LaFleur defended his players. And players in the locker room had a major problem with what transpired. Did not, in fact, appreciate a lot of the tenor of the competition with the Texans. And they let everyone know that they were not going to be punked. And what is interesting to me about all of this is it signals a distinct culture that Matt LaFleur is trying to install here. He had a zero-tolerance policy with his players, with Josh Jones, threw Josh Jones out of practice. Now, now Bill O'Brien did uh, also send Lonnie Johnson to the showers. But so Matt LaFleur sends Josh Jones. He didn't send him to the showers. just said, okay, you're done. No, we don't fight with our teammates. But then in this situation, Matt LaFleur defended his team and his team's toughness and his team playing the right way. And even said, you know, I might not be able to have done much, but I was going to have my players back. That goes a long way with your players. To have your coach say, look, we are going to be tough. We are not going to let anyone dictate to us what we're going to do. And if someone tries to intimidate us, we are going to stand our ground and say we will not be intimidated. You cannot push us around. This is another one of those moments. We've talked about this on the show a couple times over the last few weeks, and I don't want to beat a dead horse on this, but these are important touchstones for Matt LaFleur. And the fact that his team has responded and that he backed them up and that everyone was on the same page with how the team was going to handle this situation suggests that the culture is taking hold in Green Bay. And I mentioned this on Twitter yesterday, that culture does seem to be changing a little bit and and I'm not going to say for the better, but you know, because we don't I don't I don't know enough about what how the players felt about how things were before. We know more now because of this positive trend that we're seeing of players working with players. There was a great uh, piece in The Athletic by their new Packers beat reporter about how Rashawn Gary reached out to Z'Darrius Smith, was watching old Zedarius Smith film, and said, can you walk me through your mindset here? Help me understand what you were seeing. Why did you do this? How did you set this up? What, what, were, what was your mindset in this scenario? And Zadarius said, anytime you need help, I got you. I'm your big brother now. And we've seen Brian Bulaga as a teacher on the field. We've seen David Bakhtiari as a teacher on the field. Devontae Adams and Jair Alexander have seemingly gone out of their way. Not just seemingly. Have actually gone out of their way to compete against one another. Before practice, they were working on release drills. Where Jair is trying to jam Devontae at the line. And Devontae is trying to get off that press. This is iron sharpening iron. It's the point of having a joint practice. And I think just having a joint practice is a signal from Matt LaFleur that he wants to build a strong culture and wants to build it the way that that he thinks it should be built. And it's going to be built on toughness. We've seen Brian Gudikins go out and add toughness to this defense. So Darius Smith, Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, these are big dudes who are physical. They are tough. They will not be pushed around in a physical or a metaphorical sense. Adrian Amos, a physical, solid player. Darnell Savage, a heat-seeking missile as a safety. Billy Turner, a huge, strong, physical guy. They're setting a tone. And they're not going to be punked. And we saw the offense struggle early against the, the Texans. And the Texans have a really good defense. They struggled, they come back later in the move the ball period and they they marched the ball right down the field, score a touchdown. That is mental toughness to go along with physical toughness. And that is something you want to see if you're trying to dissect what's going on with the Packers and what they're trying to gain from these joint practices. It was pretty clear. The intensity was ratcheted up. And the Texans early on rose to the occasion a little bit better. Green Bay ultimately said, we are not going to be pushed around. And that's what you want to see from your team. If you're Matt LaFleur, it's what you want to see from your team if you're a fan. And if you're a player on the team, you want to know how you're going to respond. You want to know. Because there's so many new players on this team. The dynamic of the team is so different. It's so new. You want to see how your team is going to respond. Even when you bring back most of the same guys, Year in and year out. You want to see how they're going to respond to these kinds of situations. And the fact that, that the players responded in this way. And by the way, Jay Sternberger is okay. We found out he is a tough, tough dude to withstand multiple shots like that. No concussion, no injury, no nothing. He's just good. I mean, that, that speaks to a kind of toughness. And that is what you want to see in these practices. How mentally tough are you? How physically tough are you? And when you have this added pressure, when big-time players like DeAndre Hopkins are out there and J.J. Watt is out there and Deshaun Watson and, and these legit dudes on the Texans and they're trying to play physical, can you match that intensity level? And Green Bay went out and proved that it could. This episode of Locked on Packers is brought to you by Five Star Painting, a neighborly company. Five Star Painting is looking for new owners to join their growing company. Could this be the perfect opportunity for you? Are you driven? Do you have the heartbeat of an entrepreneur? If you're interested in running your own business, text five spelled out F-I-V-E-S-T-A-R five star to eight seven zero 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 right now. To learn more. With Five Star Painting, you'll be your own boss, pick your own territory, and set your own hours and live a better quality of life running a business you can be proud of. You'll have access to the best resources to help you scale your landscape business to meet your personal and professional goals, and you'll go home every day with the satisfaction of helping your customers enhance and maintain the beauty of their homes. As a Five Star Painting owner, you'll also be part of the greater neighborly community of home service brands. Neighborly has empowered more than 3,700 entrepreneurs to reach their dreams and goals through local business ownership. Whether you've been thinking about starting your own business or you're already running your own painting company, text 5STAR, spelled out F-I-V-E-S-T-A-R, to 8700 to learn more. Again, text F-I-V-E-S-T-A-R to 8700 to learn more about the Neighborly brands that may be available in your area. David Harrison here the locked on Washington football team podcast celebrating with
0: you a 21 grain salute to a less boring sandwich. Thanks to Dave's killer bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings Good Dave's Killer Bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-GMO ingredients, and is power-packed with whole grains, fiber, and protein. Visit Dave'sKillerBread.com to learn more and look for Dave's Killer Bread in
1: the bread aisle of your local grocery store. So, more importantly, uh, you know, obviously, the, the the fight is what makes headlines, but there's also the actual practice part. And with Kevin King out. And dealing with the hamstring injury, which we found out from Brian Gudikins, not expected to be serious, but just the fact that he has another injury is at least a concern. And Josh Jackson still not practicing with that foot injury, also not expected to be a long term injury, and the Packers are not long term concerned about it. But what you have to like if you're the Packers is Tony Brown and Kadar Holman have gone out there with major opportunities and they have excelled. Tony Brown went mano imano with DeAndre Hopkins, one of the best receivers if not the best, for my money the best receiver in football. And held his own. And Kadar Holman has been really a standout of the preseason process. You know, as we move from OTAs, he was someone that Mike Patton talked about as being a press man corner that that can really, you know, do some nice things in man coverage. And that has continued in training camp. And the fact that those guys are there and, and capable, we don't know what Kadar Holman can do in a game, but we have seen what Tony Brown can do. He is not someone who's going to back down. And I loved what Brian Gutekin said about Jair Alexander. He said, we feel good about him against anyone we play. He is not going to back down. He's not going to flinch, was the quote. He's not going to flinch in those moments. And that's true. And we've seen it. And so they have Jair Alexander. We know what that is. Tremon Williams still can make plays. He can still be reliable for you. And the fact that they were able to move him out of the safety position, back to corner, has really amplified their depth there because he can play in the slot. He can play outside. Kevin King's injury a year ago was a massive problem. And it was a massive problem for a number of reasons. Number one, you had to... Uh, move Tremont Williams because your safety play was bad. And you traded Haha Clinton-Dix and Kentrell Bryce gets hurt, and you just have this domino effect here. Okay, and then you have Jair Alexander, who has a breakout rookie campaign but is still a rookie. Josh Jackson has a trying rookie season until the last month or so. Tony Brown, sort of a breakout candidate, but still an undrafted free agent rookie. Beyond that, you know you you had Bashad Breeland, but he's in and out of the lineup with injuries. You know, Will Redmond, not really a guy that you can rely on. So they were not positioned last year, especially with the pass rush, to deal with these cornerback injuries. You look at the way that this team is created, the way that it is shaped now. You add Amos and Savage at safety, potential massive upgrades over the players that were there, even if they're just okay. They are big upgrades over the players that the Packers had last year. Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, their impact relative to what Nick Perry and Clay Matthews brought last year. Huge. You are giving your cornerbacks now all of the ancillary support to succeed. And we saw a group, you know, a group of four with Clark, the Smiths. Or it was, the, it was Rashawn Gary, Zadarius Smith, Kenny Clark, and Kyler Fackrell. And they could not be blocked. Those four guys. And that is the kind of look that Green Bay can use. They can use Preston Smith in that situation uh, instead of any one of those guys. That sort of flexibility and versatility with their pass rush group helps your cornerback group because you're putting less pressure on them to cover for as long. You can be more multiple with your blitz looks, and you can create more confusion in the offense so a quarterback cannot go under center, say, I know exactly what this is going to be, I know exactly who's going to be where, and I can just wait for that guy to get open, and I'm going to throw him the ball, and it's going to be a touchdown, or it's going to be a first down, or it's going to be a big play. This cornerback group, you know, we, we looked at it last year, and I thought it was deep enough that Josh Jackson could be moved to safety. I was wrong. They ended up needing because Jair got hurt, because Kevin King got hurt, because Tremont Williams had to change positions, because Devon House got hurt. They ended up needing all those guys, and they needed all of them in the secondary, in the cornerback room. This year, if if Kevin King misses a game or two, or he misses four games, or whatever he misses, and you're the Packers, you got to feel a lot better about playing Tony Brown than you did a year ago you got to feel a lot better about playing Kadar Holman than you might have two months ago. And I think even Josh Jackson, who we haven't seen, we don't know what kind of steps he's taken. We don't know if he has progressed to the point where he can be someone that you can really rely on in the cornerback room. He has that kind of talent and upside. So you know what you have, or at least you think you know what you have in Jair Alexander. And And look, I'm not the only one that thinks this. This is the team feels this way. Local media feels this way. National media and analysts—they see Jair Alexander and they see someone who can be a potential elite cornerback. Brian Gutikin's hedged against shutdown cornerback because what does that mean in the modern NFL? There's really no such thing as a modern shutdown NFL cornerback just because of the the restrictions uh, that that is on defense in the modern NFL. I mean, you can only do so much. As a cornerback, as one man in the NFL, no man is an island. Unless you're Darrell Revis, and even Revis in a modern NFL, I don't think he would be doing the kinds of things now that he was doing in you know 2007 through 2012, or you know whatever his his peak really was. But if you if you think you have that with Jair, and you have someone solid in Tremon Williams, and you feel good about the development Tony Brown has made, you feel good about Kadar Holman. That's already four cornerbacks. And now you've added Kevin King, who, you know, who knows what you're able to get out of him. You hope Josh Jackson, who did play 16 games last year, remember, uh, that, you know, injuries was not a part of the MO for him last year. Uh, This is supposedly a minor injury and very precautionary. We'll see as it continues if it becomes a problem. Foot injuries are fickle, and you don't want to rush them because you don't want to make them worse. If he can get on the field, all of a sudden now you're 5'6 you're deep at cornerback, and that changes everything because not only do you feel more comfortable with some of the guys that are having to play, but you've put them in a better position because the safeties and the pass rush, the, the most important support structures for those cornerbacks are so much improved by the Packers that they're now in a better position than they were a year ago and a better position than, it, than they've been in a little while, I think to weather those inevitable storms at cornerback. Before we finish up here, I want to remind you about Locked On Fantasy Football. Your draft is probably coming up, so make sure that you are checking out Locked On Fantasy Football. Vinny Iyer gives you the edge with over 20 years covering fantasy. Don't listen to the same stuff as everyone else. Then you're the same. Get the edge from Vinny that will put you ahead on draft day and put you ahead all season long. Locked On Fantasy Football, on your favorite podcast provider.
2: Hey, listen up, FanDuel Fantasy players. Your day is about to get 20% better.
1: Before we get out of here, I want to say a quick word about Danny Vitale. And yeah, it's the C-block of the show. And yeah, it's early August. But did you think at any point in the last few years that you'd be listening to a podcast where they would dedicate an entire section to fullback talk? The fullback is back in Green Bay. Danny Vitale is putting the back in fullback without question he is a legitimate part of the offense he made a couple really nice plays in the passing game against the Texans in the joint practice the first day and has been a considerable factor as a player at least in terms of of concepts and design and implementation of personnel he's been on the field a lot with the ones, Danny Vitale is making the team And maybe that affects how many tight ends they want to keep. I still think they're going to keep at least four. I mean, I think it's going to be Graham, Lewis, Tanya, Sternberger, and Vitali. He can catch the ball. And he's going to be a, a player in this offense, not just as a blocker, but as someone who can be used in the passing game. And that's something that, you know, the Packers did it with John Kuhn. And it was it was useful. And especially when they had issues at running back, they had no problem saying, Okay, John, you are gonna be the lone setback and we're gonna we're just gonna run the offense. And it's gonna be fine. And and you can do those things and you can pick up four yards when there's four yards there, and you can pass protect and you can make plays in the passing game. Well, Danny Vitale, we're pretty sure at least, can do all those things too. Now, can he do them at a level that John Kuhn could? We'll see. It seems to me that already he is a more adept pass-catching player. The blocking, that stuff it has to be proven. And as a lead blocker, John Kuhn was really good. And as a pass protector, John Kuhn was really good. Vitaly does not have the same sort of pedigree as a blocker as Kuhn did, but he certainly has the physique. He certainly has the demeanor and the attitude to do it. So go do it. Let's see it. Uh, obviously, Packer fans would love it. Uh, he doesn't have as catchy a nickname, something that can just be, you know, shouted in in Lambeau Field or in bars or in the comfort of your living room. But he's going to be a factor on this team, and he, it could affect the fact that that he has become such a, a legitimate weapon in this offense. It it could affect how much some of these tight ends are on the field because Green Bay be, may be like. Look, you know, with Vitale out there, you don't really need two tight ends. And because he can do some of that pass catching stuff. And maybe they feel better about his ability to make plays down the field than someone like Mercedes Lewis. And maybe they feel better about his ability to block than someone like Robert Tanyan or Jay Sternberger. Now, Jay Sternberger had a really nice day yesterday. And Big Bob Tanyan certainly has been in the mix, is someone that Aaron Rodgers mentioned as, as having taken a step forward. The coaches feel like his blocking is better. And so they, they feel good, I think, about the stable of guys they have there. Matt LaFleur is going to deploy personnel in a way that is very different from what we've seen from Mike McCarthy lately. And that opens the door for someone like Vitaly. And it, I think it opens the door for all these tight ends because there are going to be times when they're going to want to play with two tight ends and three tight ends, and two tight ends, and a fullback. And they're going to throw out of some of those formations. I mean, the trend of throwing out of big personnel and running out of small personnel is not something that's going away. It's something that Matt LaFleur does. It's something that this offense is built around. And throwing to the fullback is something that this offense is built around. He is Danny Vitale is someone who, if you get him in space, he he can move. He's a very good athlete. He's huge. No one's going to want to tackle that guy, and he can turn a three-yard swing route if there's no one around him into a 30- or a 40-yard play just because he has that kind of size, strength, athleticism, nasty, know-how, all those things. So keep an eye on that because he is going to continue to be a factor. I'm not saying he's going to be a fantasy factor, not someone that that you're going to want to pick up. I, you know, There are much more interesting discussions fantasy-wise about – where Dexter Williams fits in. He is, you know, he he's been a little bit up and down filling in for Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones as they're dealing with their injuries. So, you know, I don't think it's time yet to say, oh, Dexter Williams is fighting for that number two job. He's shown some nice things. He's shown some juice. He's shown some ability to to make some plays, but he has to be more reliable in the other facets. You know, I I joked a little bit last year about all these discussions about, oh, well, Jamal Williams, he's got these other traits that Aaron Jones doesn't. But the truth is, those other traits are important. Uh, Aaron Jones, clearly the best running back on this team. I think Dexter Williams, probably the second best pure runner on the team. Uh, But can he do the other things? Can he understand pass protection? Can he be solid in pass protection? And those are things that we're just going to have to see. We don't know. So we will we will find that out as Camp moves on. There's another practice today, so we'll be back tomorrow to break that down. The game is Thursday. So uh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna have to have a show to talk about that. So it's gonna be a five-show week. That's just how we roll here on Lockdown Packers. We want to make sure that you always have all the information that you need to be as up to date as possible on everything that's going on with the Packers. So tomorrow we'll get after day two. Uh, there is no joint practice on Wednesday, but then Thursday is the preseason opener with the Houston Texans. And we'll see how the Packers respond. If they have the opportunity to show that they're not going to be punked by this team. I wouldn't be surprised if they come out a little feisty, if they come out and and are the guys that, that are playing with a little bit of an elevated, um, you know, not a not a risk profile, or, uh, but just an edge, just an edge. If they come out a little pissed off, about What happened yesterday? I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised. And, and frankly, it's kind of what you'd want to see. You'd want to see them go out and just sort of take it to the Texans in some of these situations. And and there were guys yesterday that did that. Sidarius Smith was awesome. David Bakhtiari and, and Brian Bulaga handled J.J. Watt for the most part. Uh, Rashawn Gary was impressive. So plenty of things to be excited about if you're the Packers. Uh, and plenty more uh, evaluations to be done as they move through this process. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter for all of that at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Remember to subscribe, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked On Packers. We are the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin. And anytime you want to hit us up. Send us your questions, your comments, your your movie reviews. You can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.